1: Welcome back. This is Jeremy Williams, and you're tuning in to the Survive Scale Soar podcast, the podcast for the entrepreneur built by entrepreneurs. I have an amazing guest on the show today, serial entrepreneur, a man behind 365driven.com, Tony Watley. On the show, bestselling author of the book, Side Hustle Millionaire, Tony shares the importance of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable in a death-defying incident that was a huge defining moment in his life. A reminder if today's episode moves you, makes you think differently, makes you laugh, or you know may help someone, share it. Tony, welcome to the show.
0: Hey Jeremy, glad to see you kicking off the show, man. You've got such a deep field of contacts, of amazing people, and I know that it's going to be very successful for you.
1: I appreciate that. And it's been been awesome, you know, just watching, you know, we we started the journey at the same time and just seeing how far you've gone and what you've accomplished. Um, Tony, it's it's amazing. We're going to dive into some of that that today with our with our topic. Uh, but to give our audience just a little perspective of where you're coming from today, can you give us a short version of your journey?
0: Yeah, I would say that I grew up lower middle class here in the suburbs of Houston, Texas, and two blue collar parents. My mother's a Japanese immigrant. She worked public schools as a cafeteria worker. My dad was a Vietnam vet, U.S. Marine. Then he worked in refineries after he got out of the military. So I got to see the value of hard work and understanding that if I wanted to achieve something in life that I had to go out there and get it for myself. I was not the family household that got allowances or things like that. I mean, literally my sister and I started working at McDonald's at age 15 as the earliest they would hire us. So I've always been employed and I pursued engineering school and I put myself through school at the University of Houston. It took me seven years working full-time construction, waiting tables, Achieve that. And when I got out of school, I decided that I was going to stay in Houston and work in the oil industry because it paid better than the automotive industry, which I had a lot of passion for. And instead of really just focusing completely on the oil, I started building side businesses as early as 2001. And I built the largest automotive General Motors performance website on the internet, LS1 Tech in 2001, sold that for millions in 2007. And have built several other businesses or partnered or joint ventures with others along the way. So entrepreneur and corporate side-by-side, almost like I led two separate careers at the same time, but was really trying to excel in each of those at the same thing individually. Yeah, it's almost like you led two lives, right? Absolutely. I even used to have two different LinkedIn profiles. I used to have a a Tony Watley hyphen automotive and a Tony Watley hyphen oil and gas to keep them separate.
1: Yeah, I bet people looked at them and they're like, is this the Tony that I know in the corporate world or you know, the one that drives really cool cars? Yeah. Awesome. Well, today's topic, and when I was thinking through this, the topics are coming from my book, Survive, Skill, Soar. And I came up with seven different success strategies. And one of them was getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And when I was thinking of who could I ask that I think would be the expert on this, I thought, Tony Wiley. And so when you when you hear that getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, what what does that even mean to you?
0: Getting comfortable with getting uncomfortable. Wow, that's a tongue twister on its own, but it's very important because most of us kind of hang out in what we call that comfort zone. Everybody thinks about looking for the path of least resistance, the thing that's not going to cause any turmoil or any disruption in our lives. We're usually risk averse. We try to avoid type putting ourselves in risky situations. We don't like confrontational things. So we try to avoid those kind of things. This is just human natures, unless you're combative by nature. Obviously, you're not listening to this show. But the thing is that in order to make real impact in this world, which everybody has the same opportunity, the potential to do so, you have to be willing to rock the boat and not be status quo and try to fit in and be average. Because most people, especially when we're trying to make a name for ourselves, whether that's an industry or a new business or a product or just trying to put your, your words or your thoughts out there, the initial reaction to, the, to doing this is trying to be just likable. You're trying to be likable. You're trying to fit in, play warm average, not upset anybody, Don't want to rock the boat. And you know what? You may end up being likable, but you won't be loved and you won't be revered or regarded by doing that. Because if you look at every single person in the history of mankind that's been documented in history, the people that changed this world, the people that really left a legacy or a lasting impact were not the people just trying to be warm, kumbaya, fuzzy in the middle, and everybody likes me because they knew, like I know, and like you will know now, that. It is impossible. Literally, it is impossible to make everybody in this world like you. It's impossible. The people that have changed history had millions of people that love them, but they also had hundreds of people or thousands of people that hated them. Some of them had haters, naysayers, even murderers, unfortunately. So you realize that it's literally impossible to be liked by everybody. So why are you trying so hard to be liked by everybody? So when you start to put your words out there, what I always encourage the people in my group is that. Don't be afraid to be polarizing, but not antagonistic. You're not the one that wants to go out there and try to start the fights and just be combative and always trying to poke the bear, so to speak. But you should be willing to defend what you believe in, what you want to say. And it will offend people. Shocker, spoiler, it will offend people because we all believe different things. But the beauty of this is that it's going to push away the people that you don't want to serve anyways, the people you don't even want at your table. It will push those people away. But the benefit of this is what most people will fail to realize is that you will greatly attract the people that you do want at your table by being very vocal and taking a stand on the things that you believe in the things that you have a lot of passion for. You're going to greatly attract far more people than the people that you offend. And that's what most people don't understand.
1: So do you think uh, there's so many nuggets in there, so many directions we could go with this, um, but I want I want to start here. So do you think there is an issue in today's world with people being able to stand in their truth and why?
0: Yeah, a lot of people are very scared of vocalizing the things they believe in, whether that's politics or religion or these things that are deemed as polarizing. Even money is a polarizing topic for people. Think about how most of us were raised. They said, don't talk about money. That's rude. That's Guys, there's so many things that are just misguided beliefs that we adopt as child. And we understand that these are just things that we shouldn't talk about. And
1: yeah, that doesn't talk make about any sex, sense sex, politics, and religion at the table, right? Yeah, it doesn't make sense.
0: It. it doesn't make sense. Like, let's, let's look at the money one, okay? Let's say, let's, let's go ahead and wave that. Yeah, politics and religion are definitely polarizing topics, right? We get that. Money should not be a polarizing topic to discuss. And here's why if you're afraid of talking about money, what makes you think you're going to have money? And also, here's the real reality. Most of us, even the cashier at McDonald's, like I started at 15, even the project management managing hundreds of millions of dollars later in my career, we're compensated to deal with money and make money-making decisions for our corporate jobs. So whether you're a CPA or an accountant, those are definitely money-related. But even working at a cash register or being in sales or being in middle management or just doing things that require financial decisions. So we're already compensated and paid based on our competitiveness and our just really our talents around money. But why is it so all of a sudden that we get home at five o'clock that we're not supposed to talk about money anymore? It's, it's weird that we're paid to talk about money all day long at work, but then you're supposed to turn that off and not talking about it. That's, that, that's counterintuitive.
1: So let's let's stick with the money and, and being uncomfortable with that is here's here's what I see a lot is people get uncomfortable with the amount of money they make. I don't want to I don't want to make that much money because people may judge me differently, or I might be able to do things that that I wasn't able to before and people will judge me for that. There's this weird uncomfortableness with with making money.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's actually a fear of success, as silly as that sounds, there's a fear of success. And The thing is, is that we are growing up with these different preconceived notions and beliefs around successful people, especially in the political climate nowadays, the liberals have vilified successful people, even though a lot of the people that are very loud and opinionated on the liberal side, they are successful and wealthy on their own so it's kind of this dichotomy of like, why are they saying this when that's literally them that they're trying to vilify? So they're going after, you know, billionaires and billionaires shouldn't be making all this money and doing all these people and and millionaires shouldn't be making all that money either. They should be giving all their money away. Like they're saying all these crazy things. Right. And so imagine like if you were to grow up with parents that looked at successful people and did the eye roll thing and said, oh, it must be nice must be nice to have that new BMW. must be nice to live in that big house. Look at those rich people. So you're growing up absorbing like a sponge, all this negativity around successful people. You don't think that's going to impact you as an adult. You don't think that you're going to become one of those must be nice type people, right? The saying those kind of things. And you don't even have that awareness that you're believing these things because it's something that's ingrained in your culture, your social beliefs, the way you were raised And so what happens is when you start to find success later in your adult life and you start to earn a certain amount, you start to do these self-sabotaging things to lower your standards and lower your wealth and lower your income because you're uncomfortable becoming that rich person that your parents dislike. And your subconscious is so strong that you will start to do things to lose money, You'll start to underperform, you'll start to lose that competitive drive that got you to that success, and you'll start to think about, man what are my friends going to think when I go back to my hometown to visit them? They're going to say like, oh, don't forget where you came from. Like another terrible analogy to say that. But we see this so often in society. Realize that these negative social beliefs that you've grown up with will self-sabotage you and you will have that fear of success because you're so afraid of being judged by Aunt Susie and Uncle Bill and all these different things and these friends that you grew up with because you're now the rich guy. And, you know, some of us had to go through that. I had to go through that myself.
1: Yeah, a couple couple things there. and I'll share my thoughts is, you know, I, I grew up, you know, believing that money was the root of evil, right? And, you know, that was preached. And when you go in there and you actually look at the scripture, it's the love of money is evil. Um, so, you know, they, they've left that word out, which is the, the context that is quite significant, and it took me a lot of time and ended my career to realize that all money is a tool, right? And then the, the other thing that I pulled out of what you just said is, is there are people that are going to have those feelings. And what's crazy to me, Tony, and, and we've had conversations on this, is that sometimes it's the people that are closest to us. Mm-hmm. Is that what you find?
0: Yeah, absolutely. because. You'll find that at every level of income in your life, and you'll never outgrow this. That's the spoiler alert. You will never out earn this or outgrow this. There's certain people that come into your life, acquaintances, friends, coworkers, lovers, whoever, right? They come into your life at a certain period of your life, and maybe they start to recognize that you're on this trajectory where you're growing, you're improving, you're earning more, you're becoming more confident, whatever that is, you're improving. They're not comfortable with that because- they've already placed you into their categorical box that you're equal to them. You're in the same box group as them, the same plateau that they're on. And when you're over here in the corner building a ladder to try to climb to the next level, so to speak, it makes them uncomfortable because one, they realize that they could do that, but they're not. So they're feeling a little bit left behind because they're not putting the same amount of effort or attention into climbing that the next level. And two, most humans at every level feel like they overshot their potential. So they're kind of hoping that they're not going to be discovered. They're like, Oh my God, I made it to this level, this level of income or this professional title that I've got. I made it to this and nobody's discovered me. Like I'm a fraud. I feel like I'm an imposter sitting here and like, I'm I'm grateful for everything I have. And who's this guy over here, Jeremy, trying to build something to get to the next level. Like who does he think he is? Like, doesn't he realize that we're all in the same level? So these, this crab in the bucket mentality, it just, it's really a human nature thing that you're fighting against, and you're going to see that at every level. I've even known multimillionaires that still have that scarcity mindset once they hit an upper ceiling because some of their friends climbed even higher. And even worse is when you start to look at people over 20 years span, right, where Maybe you think that you're the high and mighty one and that all your friends are below you. And then all of a sudden, one or two or three of your friends blow past you in the acceleration curve, become higher success than you. Now you really feel inferior. You're like, wow, I used to be the, the, the man. And now they're the man. Like, I don't like this. This is making me uncomfortable. So you may not clap as loud for those people because it's that insecurity that's highlighting the things that you could have done. You saw them doing the work but you don't want to respect that they got the result and they earned it themselves. So you start to convince yourself that you could have done more or or maybe they got lucky or it must be nice. Yeah. So much
1: truth in there. Uh, One thing I heard, and I want to ask your thoughts on this is, you know, sometimes when you get around those individuals and and I, I posted about this on my social media yesterday, is you get around individuals. They don't realize how much you have grown, And it does, it it creates this awkwardness and, and they get a little bit uncomfortable. Do you find sometimes that it, it could potentially hold you back, allowing that person's uncomfortableness to, to kind of penetrate into your, to your psyche and to your soul?
0: Yeah, absolutely. If you have to walk on eggshells around your friends and family, because you're growing brighter and they're asking you to dim your light because it's too bright for them. That's the wrong people to surround yourself with. So you need to start putting boundaries in place that will limit your exposure to these people, because if you're around anybody that's telling you to dim your shine as you're growing brighter, what you're doing is you're starting to illuminate the darkness within them. And that's why they're uncomfortable.
1: That's that's powerful. It's that it's that looking into the mirror and realizing where they're at and they, they may that's where they get uncomfortable is they realize maybe, you know, they, they haven't reached their potential. And, you know, one of the the greatest things that I think could impact somebody's life is, is the word regret or the, you know, the action, the feeling of regret, actually, it's a feeling, not an action. You know, what do you, what do you think about that? Like you you get 30, 40 years down the road and you're sitting there and you're, you're at the end of your days, you know, it's coming and you look back and you have that, that feeling.
0: I wish I could share a screen right now, but the next Instagram post that I have queued up ready to go today is actually on this very topic. It's about regret. And the caption is regret is worse than death because one of these is avoidable.
1: Oh, that's powerful.
0: Very powerful.
1: But what, what do you mean by that? Like let's, let's, let's peel the onion back. You know, sometimes we'll say these phrases and it, it's super powerful and it's got this meaning. but let's peel the onion back on, on how you got to that.
0: Because when you start to do the research and you look at the people that have been in, in their end of life, so to speak, maybe they're in the old folks home or they're on their deathbeds in the hospital. People don't really focus on the things that they failed at, which is much people focus on right now. They, they're afraid of trying things. They're afraid of writing that book or launching a podcast or asking for a raise or asking someone out on a date. They're always afraid of this fear of rejection of other people or the potential backlash or the critics or the naysayers. So they're using these other people to limit what they're going to do. Really. Think about like, if you're in a deathbed situation, let's say you are fortunate to make it to an old age and you're looking back and you're reflecting on life. You're not going to be thinking about the things that you failed. You're going to be thinking about the things you didn't try. That's the number one regret that all of the dying tend to shares. They regret not have done not trying something, not, not asking that person, not doing the things that they knew that they had a true calling in. they were just snowed in under doing things and these other things, making excuses. So when you understand that that can be avoided by just pursuing the things that you don't want to regret, like any kind of decision that comes up to you, you can always tell like which Avenue that you're going to go down is the regretful one and which one is going to not be a regretting experience. It may be a regretting outcome, but at the end of the day, you're not going to kick yourself in the nuts for trying and failing. You're going to think, hey, I tried and I went all in and it didn't get the result that I wanted. But you know what? I'm, I'm glad I went down that road and I tried something because I learned at the same time. So understanding this, you can avoid these regrets by taking those actions, not hiding from people. Because when you are at that deathbed, Jeremy, and when you're looking around and the people that are in that room, It's not going to be those haters and critics and naysayers that you were so worried about. It's going to be people that truly love you and support you, hopefully, in that situation. So why, as humans, with our limited lifespan, are so many people focused on not doing something with their life because they're so worried about these haters, naysayers, and critics instead of the people that do support them? So they're basically putting their life on pause, limiting their potential, living in fear for these haters and naysayers and critics who will not be at your funeral anyways.
1: Yeah. It, it reminds me of a, a situation back in 2012. And, and I share this in my book is I've I got a MRSA infection, pretty serious infection and was in my elbow, started my elbow started moving towards my hand, started moving up towards my heart. Um, something I thought I'd go in and be there for a day and back out of the hospital. I was in St. Luke's for a week. And there was the potential of even amputation. And, you know, I'm sitting there thinking I, I'm, I'm a mile and a half from where I was working at the time and working with over 400 people. I'm, I'm in a leadership role here. I had one person and his mom, both of them were agents in, in that, that brokerage that came down to, to see me. And, and that was a changing point in my life to realize that that circle around you is much smaller than you might have thought it. Thought it would be social media kind of gives us this idea that it's huge and everybody likes us and you know but but like you said when you get to your deathbed who is it that's actually going to show up who's going to be it's going to be those that truly truly support you and i think you had uh if you could share a quick story on a big change in your life and it was a near-death experience in
0: 2015 i was racing cars at the track and I was driving a thousand horsepower twin turbo Dodge Viper trying to set a national record at the drag strip. And at the top of third gear on the last pass of the evening, something in the right rear suspension broke. It put me on the side wall and I thought that was the worst of it. And as I was coming to slow down off of that wall, I was grazing the wall. The rear wheel kicked back out, kind of like pushing a shopping cart backwards. So now I'm going hard left and I'm approaching the left side wall at 130 miles per hour pretty quick mental calculation. Like I'm in a two door sports car. I'm about to crash head on into a concrete wall and it's going to hit on the side that I'm sitting on. Like these are bad odds. Like I don't think I'm going to make it. Yeah. And in that moment, I thought to myself, I actually said to myself, well, here I go. And I truly thought I was going to die in that moment, but the strangest thing, the strangest experience that I've had and I've talked to other people that had near death experiences, and they've had very similar reactions to this. I didn't feel fearful. I had no fear in that moment. And I had no life flashing before my eyes on things like you see these dramatic things. I get that some people do have that, but I didn't have that probably because the time was so fast, like as milliseconds, did they have that thought process, but I felt really peaceful. I felt really peaceful in that moment. And I didn't expect that coming out of that. And I've been really peaceful about the whole situation and being really lucid about remembering everything, every detail of it. But I never thought I'd be peaceful when I thought I was going to be certainly dead. Like we always think that you're going to be fearful of death and like you should live in fear. And that's why things that we see in these pandemic and these people are just living with fears. Like they're literally living with cortisol, a a hormone released of fear. Like that just tears you up. It makes you age. It makes you anxious. It makes you stressed out. Your hair turns gray. You lose your hair. Like all these negative things around living with high doses of cortisol, which we were never designed to be unless you're. In a, in a traumatic situation, like if you're a captive or something, that's really what people are living with nowadays. And if I could just tell them that when you face certain death, because we all are going to die, every single one of us, when you're facing certain death, if you knew that you were going to be peaceful in that moment and not fear death, why would you live in such fear of dying?
1: That's, that's powerful. So I want to, I want to take that and, and ask you, because the topic was getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, is how did that experience going forward after that, how did that make you get more comfortable in those situations that stretched, stretched you, pulled you outside of the the normal the norm?
0: I just became more focused on mortality. I'd already had it on my mind around age 40, is a pivotal age for most people. And that's when you start to do this inner reflective type thinking about your life up to that point, because people are telling you it's midlife, right? And I already started thinking about impact. I already made a lot of income. I started thinking about what I need to do to make more impact. Yeah, I had impacted people in my close proximity, friends, former employees, people that I'd been mentoring for 15 years. I'd seen short-term, very good impacts on a small localized level. But I said, is that good enough? You know, thinking about the accident, if I would have died, how would I have been remembered? And I really sat with that one for a while. And that's a tough one to think about because everybody want to think about the mortality. But how would you be remembered? And how would you be remembered by your children or your spouse or your coworkers or your friends? Everybody's got a different perspective of you. If you could go through and do an honest assessment of each of those and you could do that without crying or feeling like, like I'm not doing everything I could, then you're just lying to yourself, right? So for me, I would have been remembered as nice, rich guy, cool cars, gone too soon. I have that remembered. I, I, I had that. That's the process. You start to compare yourself with other people that have passed away in the same situations, same friend groups. How are they remembered? Nice, rich guy gone, gone too soon. Cool cars. Like, is that enough? That's not enough for me. And so when you start to be driven by mortality and realizing that we are all going to die, everyone listening to this, watching this, we're all going to die. You're not going to get away from that game. Time is short. Time gets shorter as we age because each year is actually a smaller sliver of our entire life. So we think about that when you're a kid, summer vacation felt like it was forever because three months was a very big piece of your life when you're only six, seven years old. So when you think about this as an older person, maybe you're 75 years old, one year is one 75th of your life. So it does seem like it's faster because you're comparing it relatively against all the other years of your life. So as we get older, the years do mentally appear less. That's just the way it is. So we know these kind of things and our time is limited and no minute is guaranteed. Our heart could literally stop right now. No minute is guaranteed. So why are we again, not doing the things that we should be doing? Because we're so worried about the fear of criticism and the opinions of other people, really? Like you're going to let these people that don't even matter in your life Keep you from doing the things that you should be doing, the things that you know that you should be doing, the things that you could be doing, because you're so worried about opinions and thoughts of other people. So after the accident, I started thinking about that. It's like, you know what? Screw those people. Like they're not going to dictate my life. And that's when you start to get the real freedom of not having to worry about judgment and criticism and fear of people's opinions. Like once you can free yourself of that, if I could give a gift to the world, it would be to teach people that. If I could just unchain you from worrying about what other people think and say. And I'm not talking about the people that are like, oh, no, no Fs given, you know, like that whole attitude thing, because we know that people still think about that stuff, even if they say otherwise. But until you truly get on the other side of that fence and stop worrying about the opinions and thoughts of other people, especially the people that haven't earned your respect, the people that you don't love, you're not going to tr- truly feel freedom. You may think that you have a free life. You may have a comfortable life, but you will truly never feel freedom until you can break that chain.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really powerful. You know, um, and that's something I've dealt with personally over the years. And, and you know, having that, that change of thought and that freedom of thought, and it really does, it feels like a breaking of the chain. And as soon as that happens, a, a whole new world and new opportunities uh, will, will start showing up. And, and before we get into how people can connect with you, and I uh, want you to talk a little bit about your book, is somebody's listening today and they something's moved them and maybe they've been in this place where they're just, they, they have, they've stayed comfortable. They don't want to rock the boat. We could probably do a whole podcast on this, uh, but I, I want you to give the first step. What is, what is the first step? One step they could take starting today to get comfortable with being uncomfortable.
0: I think that most people just got to get over themselves Right, we all have insecurities. No matter how successful you are, or how you appear, or anything like, we all have security insecurities. Like even supermodels have insecurities. Like shocker, like everybody has them. So we think that everybody sees the imperfections that we have. When most people don't really pay attention because they have their own imperfections that they're hyper focused or hyper critical on of themselves. So while I agree that we should always strive to become better versions of ourselves. That's the branding. That's the mantra. That's the thing that we should be doing. We give too much credit to the external factors. We need the validation and all these different things. So you got to get over yourself. It's ego. So I had the same situation. I didn't like being on camera. I didn't like my recorded voice. I didn't like being on stage. I never wanted to be in the spotlight. I was really good at being the MVP and being really competitive and hiding behind my company logos and doing things in a very big way without being in the spotlight, right? Best supporting actor you. But that doesn't serve my purpose. That doesn't serve the mission that I'm on right now. And I had to become the right person to carry the message that I have. And if I'm not willing to invest in myself to become a better version of myself and lead by example and become a more effective communicator, getting over the stage fright, learning how to do videos, that's how I get my message out there. Being on these shows, hundreds and hundreds of interviews later, TV show deals, all these things have happened because I've invested in myself to become the better version of myself continually. And I take people on that journey. So they see that I'm consistent. I show up every day and they know that I'm not going away and I will outlast and outwork people. And I have that. I understand that game. So the first thing you got to do, Jeremy, is just get over yourself. Realize that whatever your insecurities are can be overcome. If you hire people that can teach you these things There's a lot of skills, a lot of tactics, a lot of reps that you got to do. There's no shortcuts. There's no get rich quick. There's only the work that you got to do, but it's not comfortable at all. But at the end of the day, is your lies and excuses worth more than your purpose? And until you can learn to put your purpose ahead of your fear, you're going to dwell in that negativity and that almost potential lifestyle that most people settle for.
1: Yeah. And, and it's not overnight. And Tony, I, what a lot of people don't know is that I've known you for quite, quite some time. Um, actually, when I was in sales, helped you, your wife, Lisa, uh, sell a home, personal home in the Houston area. And the Tony I knew then and the, the Tony I know now are completely different. And it's, it's because of purpose. And I'm sure you've probably seen that in, in myself as well over the years. And it doesn't, it, it's not overnight. It's something that you have to, to work at. And it, it is definitely skill sets. And, um, you know, again, going back to, to just freeing your mind of all the things that maybe you were once taught.
0: Yeah, good stuff, man. Because think about this, dude. I mean, that was probably
1: like, uh, I think. Four, yeah,
0: like like 14 something years ago. At that point, I was already a multimillionaire. I was in my mid 30s. And I thought I knew a lot. I thought I didn't know a lot, but now I'm 49. And looking back, I didn't know a lot. I was doing a lot of things wrong back then. And I had a lot of blind spots. So I'm saying this because there's people that you know, or even it could be you as a listener, you've become financially successful or successful on a professional level. People hold you at high regard, they're respectful, but You don't know what you don't know, and as you gain wisdom and experience through the years, you start to look back and go, "I could have done that better. I could have done that. I should have done that better, right?" So, if you're listening this, if you're if you're the same person you were five years ago, that's terrible. If you're the same person you were a year ago, I'll give you a little bit of grace, but you should be trying to improve.
1: Absolutely, I think there's room for improvement in all aspects of our lives, and and I think. You know, coming from the spiritual perspective, I think that's what God would want us to to do is to to work at, at bettering ourselves. Um, all right, so let's wrap this up. Great man, great interview, great, Douglas. Thank you for for sharing all of this. Um, you wrote the book, The Side Hustle Millionaire. Tell me a little bit about that, and tell me how people can connect with you.
0: Yeah, Side Hustle Millionaire. It's available on Amazon. It's basically how to take the Business ideas that you've been telling everybody that you have, and how to assess those against each other to find the one business idea that will give you the best odds of success. And then it kind of walks you through the steps of starting your first company and growing it and marketing it. I would say that book is perfect for anybody that's in between zero figures and $1 million revenue on their business. So if you're already a business owner and you're struggling, maybe you're not doing some of the things in that book that I lay out. So that's what I I made a resource for people to start their first business.
1: Yeah, I like it. It's almost like a manual. You know, I, I picked it up, you know, when you when you first had released it. And by the way, it's an Amazon bestseller. Um, I picked it up and and it's it reads just like a manual, like from start to finish. And mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. And I think it can help a lot of others. Now, how do people reach out? How do they contact you?
0: Yeah, the easiest way is go to my website, 365driven.com. And you'll find links to my podcast, which is also called 365 Driven. But all my social medias, the entrepreneurship group, the events. We do a lot of different things. It's on that website.
1: Awesome. And I I know I participate in one of your mastermind groups. And guys, I highly recommend it if you're looking at at being driven, not just one day or two days or six months, yet 365 days a year. You should go check out 365driven.com. Thank you again, Tony, and I appreciate you.
0: Hey, man, I'm honored you're part of that group and love to see what you're doing. And you're doing some big things too, my brother, and looking forward to see what 2022 brings.
1: All right, on
0: to the next episode,
1: onward and upward.
0: Thank you for listening to the Survive Scale Soar podcast. If you heard something that made a difference in your life today, share it with someone that might benefit and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Learn more about the host of this podcast and coaching services offered by Red Hawk Coaching by visiting www.redhawkcoaching.com.